Welcome to a life well lived. Grow, preserve, and transfer your wealth with Ken Olette, CPM Certified Portfolio Manager and founder of Orca Wealth Management. In this podcast, he will provide some clarity in setting goals needed to build, preserve, and transfer wealth and overcome some of life's financial obstacles. Ken provides actionable steps to help you plan through your financial ups and downs in a way everyone can understand. Join us on this journey where Ken will explore many financial avenues, drawing from his three decades of experience in helping others avoid risking a lifetime's worth of work and savings by not having a plan and a strategy in place. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to A Life Well Lived with Ken Olette. Ken, how are you? Well, I'm a little under the weather today, and so um, I just want to put that out there in front. Um, I've got and you have children, right? I have kids and grandkids at this point. Okay. So you see in my household, this is like the, when one of our kids gets sick, cause we have so many kids, it's like an epidemic, right? <laughs> so, and I'm always the last one to get it. So, you know, I get the impending doom. I'm the last domino to fall. Mm-hmm. So I get to see first my older son, then my wife, then my uh, younger son, then my daughter and I get to see all of the pain that they go through. And then I just wait until my time comes. And this is what, ha- what is that? What has occurred? I'm my time has come. And so, um, but it's not too bad that I can't get through this podcast because this is an important topic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's half the time. It's like, it stacks up on one another. It's not just, so your older son had it and he went through it and it's like, Oh, it's pretty bad. And then it compounds and then it compounds. Yeah. And so by the time it gets to you, it's like a hundred pounds of, yes. oh boy, here we go. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. morphs. It, uh, yeah. it gets better and stronger. And then I get the last hit. It's like, yeah. The, it's, yeah, it's a hurricane gathering strength in the, in the Gulf and here it comes. So, yeah. All right. Well, I hope you feel better, but I know that you're going to be able to make it through this podcast and you are correct. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in, uh, you know, these different points. You have nine estate planning mistakes and how to avoid them. Estate planning Obviously, you've spoken about this before as incredibly important, yep. um, but I did not know that there are nine mistakes one can make. So let's get into that. Yeah, yeah. Before before I get started for the listening audience, I am not an attorney. I am not an estate planning attorney, nor do I want to be one. I work with many of them, so we don't dispense legal nor tax advice uh, ever, but I can give you some planning aspects of mistakes that I've seen um, clients make throughout the years that we've tried to fix with competent professionals. So, you know, I encourage people to go to a, uh, an estate planning attorney for any of these, these topics. But, um, I think that, you know, going in there educated would be, would be, a, a dramatically to your benefit. Yeah. And, and, and I know, uh, Ken, that you work nationwide, you have the ability to work nationwide. Um, but a lot of this is going to deal with Florida, correct? Or are you going to be able to speak to some general as well? Well, yeah, it's going to be general because um, Florida laws uh, on the on the state side are somewhat similar to others, but um, most of this will be catered towards the federal laws. Um, Perfect. You know, so yeah, a lot of this will be applicable to anybody throughout the nation. Okay. Well, let's start this list. You've got nine. What's number one? Okay. So the, the number one, so first let's look at estate taxes as a whole. So a lot of people are like, yeah, well, why worry about estate taxes? You know, it's going to, we know what it is. It's going to be this much and I'm well underneath that. You hear that a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I think for this year indexed for in, inflation, because they try to, they tried to make that a little bit um, an increasing scale, the last administration. So I think right now, 12.06 million per person 
is excluded from estate taxes. And so for, for the listeners out there, an estate tax is you pass away, whatever your assets, they basically do a spreadsheet, property, um, jewelry, uh, investments, retirement, everything is in, included in that. And then they look at it and they say, okay, this is the value. Anything above 12.06 million, you're going to owe a tax on. And the tax is fairly prohibitive. Um, it can be as high as 45%. Mm. So, so people say, hey, well, look, uh, I don't have $12 million. I've got, I've got $11.2 million. So mm-hmm. why am I worried about the $12 million um, exemption? Well, the reason is, is because it changes and it changes a lot. So let me give you just since I've been in the business over the last three decades where it's been. Okay. All right. So, well, I'll give you a little bit even further back from that. 1976, the estate tax was, you were at a 77% tax and it was 60,000 was, was your exclusion. What? So, yeah. So, so you were, you could really get hammered back then. Okay. Christmas. 1982, it went to 225,000, 65% was the tax in 2002. It was 1 million, and then you were taxed at 50%. In 2009, it was 3.5 million. You were taxed at 45% above the 3.5 million. In 2010, if you can believe it, it was zero. And so I remember, what? yeah, yeah, and zero, there was no Jeez. estate taxes. And there was a, there, we used to have meetings, and there was a concern economically that there would be assisted suicides in 2000 oh. because of people wanting to avoid wow. the estate tax. Cause if you had $50 million and you know, you were 3.5 million in 2009 and 2010, it was going to be zero. Uh, there was a concern that that might, but it, it never panned out. Right. People didn't, you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm, love I'm not too worried much. about it. I mean, nobody, you know, I'm not going to get political here, but I don't agree with assisted suicide, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be concerned about assisted suicide. It'd be like the non-consensual. Assisted suicide. <laughs> <laughs> we call that murder. Yeah. Anything that looked like Drano in your, in exactly. your he's like, Oh, I've been eating glass. What? Yeah. Jeez. So, so that, so, and then in 2017, it went to 5.49, 2019, 11.4. Um, and that was 37%. And so it, it's kind of gone up since then. So what, what, the point here is it, it will change and it will change often. And here's what I tell my clients is that right now it's a low hanging fruit, right? Mm-hmm. So it, we, we have large deficits in this country. I mean, I think, what are we at 30 trillion now? Oh, geez. I don't even want to look so, yeah. I think it's over that. Yeah. It's astronomical. And so one of the places that you know, that is politically um, the easiest to go after is typically the estate planning tax. And so that are estate taxes because, you know, hey, these people are already wealthy. Um, you know, they, they don't, the heirs didn't, didn't really maybe deserve it, they'll think. And so maybe we can take a larger portion of that. And so that may be something um, in the next turnaround when this, when this gets, um, I think it's uh, it, out next year, they'll, they'll have to renew it or change it, that I think that that's an area that they're going to go down. So it may go down to 2.5 million or 5 million, but I don't believe it's going to stay at 12 million. So it's going to be an issue, I think, for a lot of folks. Got it. Now, let me ask you this. I just want to clarify. I know that tax brackets, when it comes mm-hmm. to uh, you know income taxes, there are different steps, right? And yep. so when, when you get above a certain amount, everything above that is taxed at a different rate. 
Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. Is this the same situation or is it once you cross that threshold, the entire thing is taxed? Yeah. Once you cross that threshold, um, you're, you're taxed above that. So if it's 12 million now and you have 24 million, you're going to be taxed on 12 million at whatever the, the estate tax rate is 37, 45%. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Good to know. So, so that's your exclusion basically. Got now, it. if you do proper planning, which we'll get into, you can double that with your spouse. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. okay. So that sounds we'll, good. We'll kind of get into that though. All right. So let's start this list off. Okay. Number one, uh, delaying planning. This is by far and away the number one uh, issue. So people, you know, I, who wants to sit around over a glass of wine and talk about, Hey, let's talk about what we're going to do when we die. Where, where's all the money going? Let's do some planning. It's um, it's really something that we, I find we have to prod the client to do um, and we have to prod, prod the client to review. But so, you know, it's not pleasant to think about your own demise. We get that. You know, I did my planning at 47, 48 with my wife. Um, I'm 54 now. So we kind of knocked it out. It's good to do um, really, really consider doing below 50. Mm-hmm. It's never too late to do it, obviously, until well, it can be too late, I guess. We'll talk about that. But um, whatever age you're at now, if you haven't done it, do it, um, you know, particularly if you're over age 45, I think. But the money can be held up for years. Um, it takes an emotional toll on others if you don't do it. So here's what I'd like people, and this is really the main point when I talk about delaying planning. So you didn't do any estate planning. You didn't do any of these things that I'm going to talk about. You, husband and wife, God forbid, get in an automobile accident. You have the children at their worst possible time of grief. Are These things are thrust into their lap and they have to be dealt with. And they're at the least capable time of being able to deal with it because they, they want to grieve for their lost, their lost parents. So that that's the emotional toll side. Um, you know, and, I, and I've seen that occur for, for folks that have not, not done this planning process. Well, here, here's the thing is that I think any parent that has children has, has thought about it, right. Has thought about yeah. their own death. I mean, everybody does yeah. uh, in one way or another. And when we have our imagination, maybe we're just driving along and our imagination kind of takes us down that rabbit hole. Uh, I've envisioned my funeral before I've envisioned, you know, all sorts of different things as far as what could happen. Um, you know, the, the what the kids are going to do so on and so forth. And one of the things I envision is family members around them, right? Aunts, mm-hmm. uncles, cousins, you know, they're there to support them. But the, the one thing that I've never really envisioned until you were just talking is that other uncle that's going to be standing there with this, this grin on his face, you know, ready to knock on the door and say, Hey, I need some money. And that's uncle Sam. He's not going to wait. He's not, not going to wait. wait. And he's not going to give two craps about how your kids feel or how anybody's emotions are. He's just there with his wallet open saying, start stuffing it in here. Yeah. Yeah. You have to file a large return that's required within six months. And those estate tax taxes have to be paid. I mean, you know, everybody knows the the horror story of the dolphins. So the dolphins are now, I don't know, they've been through three iterations of stadium names, but they used to be John, uh, Joe Robbie Stadium um, for many years. It was in that family. They had to sell the dolphins because they couldn't pay the estate taxes. Mm. It happens. Jeez. Yeah. The, the other two issues from not from delayed planning are unintended enrichment and married couples having assets in single maiming. And I've got a prime example of this. I got a, I got a client, one of my very first clients, and this is, um, you know, like three decades ago. And she had come to me, uh, came into our office and she had said, well, my husband has passed away. We only had things in single name. He had most of his stuff in single name. I had no idea what he owned. 
Um, she was a, a secretary for Lockheed Martin for three decades. They had met at work and he happened to have $4 million of Lockheed Martin stock. And she had passed away in, um, in Maine. And in Maine, they have laws on the books that um, blood is thicker than, than marital relations. All right. So if it's mm. not titled correctly and there's a blood relative alive, they're entitled to a portion of the assets. I don't know if the laws have changed since then. I hope they have, but they had this, you know, nephew. Everybody has one, right, in the family that does uh, not really worked and um, you know never wanted to work. Uh, and they were always, you know, give give Christmas cards to and things of that nature with a little bit of cash in it. Well, he ended up was eligible for half of those marital assets oh, because it was in single name. It was not in her name, but his. Um. Long story short, she had no idea it was $4 million. She ended up getting two something and um, and it worked out because, you know, two million, she thought that she was basically destitute because she had no idea. But the unintended enrichment from delaying the process um, gave a nephew a lot of money. So th- that th- these are some of the, the things that we can see that we can just get rid of if we just don't delay the planning. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Number two. Okay. Number two, um, Will's in Florida. And this is, I use Florida, but this is in any state, uh, these apply. You have probate fees, all right? So in Florida, we've, I've always felt that anybody that has over $250,000 in assets should have a trust versus a will or some form of beneficiary named account. So probate fees can run, you know, anywhere between one, three, 8%. I mean, depends on, on the state that you live in. And these are fees that you have to pay to go through the court process. And so if you can imagine most states were a mess before COVID, right? Um, mm. What do you think they look like now, the court system? Yeah, it's, it's a, a nightmare. Backlog like you've never seen. So a lot of these things can be can be tied up for a year, year and a half going through the probate process. And then you have to also hire an attorney, right, to represent you in this 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 process. That can be anywhere between one to three percent. Um, wills are are easily contested. Anybody can come in out of the woods and say, "Hey, you know, um, I'm a debtor. They owed me money for this. I want to contest the will." And um, the assets are often unmanaged during this process. So you've got a year going through the pro- the probate process where these assets could be unmanaged in a bad market. Where not only are you going through the prob- probate process as an as a beneficiary, but you know, the assets have gone down 30% because they've been un- not managed well in a down market. Oh man, I, I've never even thought about that piece of it. I mean, I, I knew that probate could be a nightmare and it could, it could drag out, but I did not know that the assets are unmanaged. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. And so, and, and I can tell you, um, I don't have one single instance to talk to you about or the listening audience that was a positive experience of going through probate. Not one. Yeah. So, all right. What's number three? Number three is joint tenancy. So I, you know, very often people say, well, you know, I've got things in joint name. We hear that a lot. So if something happens to me, you know, my wife's going to get it conversely, you know, vice versa. So we're, we're all set. We don't have to worry about it. Well, what you lose there is you lose the right to double tax exclusion. So yes, the assets go from you to your wife tax-free, but then you only have that one exclusion versus two to pass on to your beneficiaries. That could be huge, particularly if we go down to where, you know, they really, really want to do deficit reduction and they take the estate tax down to 2.5 million or 1.5 million for some people. You're going to want 
as much of that exclusion as you can possibly get because it's uh it protects you mm-hmm. all right well um husband and wife gift taxes may be due um, that can be an issue depending on how it's structured exposes one of the joint tenants to the risk liabilities and potential problems of the other right so if um if you've got a nice estate you got everything in joint name the wife goes driving on 19 which is a notoriously bad road in florida i think it is the uh the automobile accident capital of the world i mean every other block has a picture of a uh, an attorney saying please call if you've been in an automobile accident mm-hmm. type of thing she goes on a drive on the on the road you know she just accidentally hits somebody um they get a good attorney they're going to come after that money and it's not only going to be your part of the joint tenancy it's going to be the other joint tenants as well so they're going to go after both so there's no protection of the asset there jeez yeah not good not good not good at all and accidents happen right i mean it's it's, that just is a part of life and and to have something derail that quickly uh for both parties that's that is tough yeah yeah all right number four right uh you know, so the other thing that that Florida offers and other states offer, banks offer, are transfer on death, right? So you can have your account, your brokerage account. You can say, well, I don't have a trust. A transfer on death is free. Let's do the TOD account. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some are called, they're, they're a little bit different. They might be, uh, it, it, they're all basically a transfer on death, but they might use other semantics involved there, but they all do the same thing. You have the account and you list beneficiaries and it's supposed to avoid the probate process. Well, this has its own this has its own issues too. So we've got vulnerability to credit creditor claims, right? So you still you have you get in that automobile accident, um, you get a slip and fall, somebody comes in your house. Um, you know we're we're basically um, a very litigious society, so there's going to be claims against those accounts. So that's a problem. Yeah, vulnerability claims um, by beneficiaries. So. You know, they're, they're supposed to be, these are supposed to be like annuities, right? So you name beneficiary, it goes right to the stated beneficiary, no issues. It's very clean. Well, I have found in my practice that that is not the case. We had a, an individual of a gentleman, husband and wife, 95, 96, when they passed away, she passed away first. He was 96 when he passed away. Very, very sound mind, um, body went, but, um, sharp as could be. And he had a TOD by encouraged by his attorney. I had encouraged him to get a trust. The attorney that he had in this case said, no, um, you don't need a trust. You just need the TOD. Well, guess what happens? He passes away. He has 12 because they had no children. He had 12 uh, stated charities to get the money. Once again, uh, this time a niece came out of the woodwork mm-hmm. and, um, and she filed a claim against the the TOD. It was tied up for two and a half years. Oh my lord! Two and a half years. Um, and the sad thing about this was, is he had a caregiver that uh, he left fifty thousand to, right? And and just a small amount carved away for this wonderful, wonderful lady that took such good care care of him. And um, she couldn't get the fifty thousand for like two and a half years, and it would have been a life changer for her. I mean, really, yeah. really would have would have made a big difference. So, you know, it, it's just not effective. Just not effective. Jeez. That's a nightmare. All right. Number five. Okay. Number five. All right. Not accounting for beneficiary divorce. Okay. That, that can be a big thing. So mm. 
not that, you know, divorce happens, I think in about half of the marriages nowadays, and we're starting to see it's an odd number, but you're starting to see older people get divorced. Have you seen this? Uh, what do they call it? Uh, silver. Yeah. Something yeah. you, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, you would have never, you, it was very rare, but now you're seeing, you've seen a lot of divorces at, uh, at a later ages, fifties and sixties and seventies. Mm. So this can be a problem. You know, asset transfers can be included in community property. Um, and the assets may flow to the wrong children in mixed marriages. So, you know, there, there's just, it's just not buttoned up and clean and wherever there's ambiguity, you get, um, you get litigation, you get issues, you get tie-ups, you get costs. So it just, um, if you're not accounting for the beneficiaries in, in a divorce, you, you've got to do that. And that's part of the planning process. Jeez. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of things that could go wrong. Number mm-hmm. six. Oh yeah. Number six is, is my own personal favorite. And this I have seen, I have seen so many times, and this is the spendthrift kids, right? Oh, Endowing yeah. children with a large sum of money, the lottery complex. Yeah. Um, I have seen stuff that you would not spray paint on an overpass when it comes to beneficiary kids. I mean, mm-hmm. you would think you would think some of these kids would be set for life with the amounts of monies that were passed down to them and they go through it. Um, you know, I remember thinking when I was in college, I, I remember looking at Mike Tyson. You remember the boxer, Mike Tyson, oh, yeah. right? Yep. So he made, I think 450, 500 million in his career. And, and I remember watching him and they did an interview with him and, and he had lions and tigers in his backyard. <laughs> did you remember this? Oh yeah. He had, this, uh, he had a zoo in his backyard and I'm thinking, well, he's got 500 million. He can't possibly, even with a, even with a tiger in his backyard, he can't possibly go through $500 million. Right. He went through $500 million. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tigers eat a lot, he, my friend. <laughs> it's all the gazelles be. he had to buy. <laughs> yeah. So I have seen, I have seen people buy sports cars, vacation homes, you know, so quickly and not, not thinking about the costs. It's like the, the lottery complex where you hear about lotto winners who, who go, go, go bankrupt, you know? Um, it's just, it's just not a good thing sometimes to offload a lump sum of money to an individual. Uh, they sometimes don't have the capacity to care for those funds as, as the, the person that earned them did. So, uh, you know, not, not planning, not having the proper trust, um, can, can have the effect of endowing kids with a large sum of money. Not that they'll go out and buy tigers or anything like that, but uh, you know, they may go, go buy an expensive car or a house. Oh yeah. I mean, it, here's the thing is that it, you've got to have the maturity and, and, and that's mm-hmm. all there is to it. I mean, I've got multiple horror stories uh, as well from kids whose parents were still alive, but they thought throwing money at the issue was going to solve it. And it just, it, it, it was detrimental to the kids and nobody wants yeah. to hurt their children. And, and somebody who passes away thinking that they're going to bless somebody else never has ill intent, but without truly understanding the emotional maturity and or maturity of the children that are going to be receiving this. And, and of course, especially when you die early, earlier mm-hmm. than you thought you think, Oh, well, when I die, they're going to be 40 something. And all of a sudden, no, they're 28 because you passed away early and they're still in their party years. It, it's, it's a, it's a horrible, horrible situation. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a great mistake to highlight. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we try to encourage 
when when you have kids that perhaps may not have that maturity that you speak about, using distribution is not a lump sum. And distributions can be set up through a trust. And I've seen that very, very effectively done for beneficiaries where, where they'll have distributions that are indexed to inflation that increase. So it's like a pension for them. And then at a certain age of majority, you know, sometimes it's 50, sometimes it's 40, depending on the child, they, they can have access to the lump sum, right? And they can, they can make an, an invasion of principle if they need to for emergencies and things of that nature. And that has many, many aspects that are very, very protective. I'll tell you a case I had, I had a client that passed away. He, um, his daughter uh, was driving to see him in the hospice. He was, it was, he's about to pass away, driving to see him in the hospice, got T-boned by a car, paraplegic. Okay. We at the last second, we had to do a will, um, a special needs trust. So the money would pass through to mm. the special needs trust to take care of her for life. If that planning had not been done, all of his estate would have gone to her care and the medical bills and, and liabilities. So we were able to protect that and provide her an income um, for life because we were able to, to, to structure that um, before he passed away. So things like that, they, that you get in a distribution versus just getting a lump sum because it can creditor proof it somewhat. Yeah. Wow. All right. Uh, let's go with uh, number seven. Uh, not having a spillover will. Uh, this is a big one. Spillover we see will. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a new term that a lot of people don't think about, but a spillover will is just basically, if you have a trust, you have a spillover will that just takes care of the incidentals. Um, that that might be in there, you know, things like uh, you know, rings and um, oh, okay, painting, silverware. I mean, I I've seen kids that are the most docile that get along the best that you'd have ever seen. They'll fight over silverware when it when when the parents pass away. Mm-hmm. It becomes because it becomes emotional, right? Right, we're, absolutely. We're, we're yeah, yeah, and so you know, mom, you know, mom and I used to eat with those that silverware, and I know that she wanted me to have it. Um, and so what I tell people is you don't have to be really, really detailed, but the more detail that you have your voice speaking after something happens to you is, is really, really a cure for the angst of your kids. It helps them emotionally. Um, you know, so there's no ambiguity. Otherwise they may fight over it or they may have, you know, you'd be surprised at how many people have ill feelings after the parents pass away between siblings. You know, it, it just, um, a lot of this can be avoided through planning. Okay. So I, I want to take a pause in this right here uh, on this number, because I'd love to pick your brain a little bit about just how you help clients have these conversations. I mean, the planning is one thing, Yeah, you know, having the, having it spelled out and so on and so forth that can help alleviate some of this, but at the same time, it's still a parent's voice from beyond the grave that is yep. saying, Hey, so-and-so gets this so and so there can still be some hard feelings. So how do you help folks and, and, and full transparency? My wife and I have had this conversation with our kids because we're very open about this. I've seen nightmare scenarios. I will not allow that to happen yeah. to my children. So we've had this conversation. I'm like, is there anything that you're really interested in? Let's talk about the things that we already know that are passing because I'm like, I've got a watch from my grandfather that came from his grandfather. That's going to go to my, my firstborn grandson. Who's already yep. born. Yep. Jaden, he, he's going to get that watch. My son knows that he, he has no interest in the watch. I mean, he loves it, but he yeah. knows it's a grandfather to grandson thing. And he's so happy that his son's going to get it. But we've already had this conversation with our kids to say, Hey, look, are there things that you want? Because we, we don't always know that emotional tie you, you brought up the silverware, you know, 
one kid could say to the other one, well, we all ate on that silverware. What are you, what are you talking about? But what they don't know is that 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 child spent time polishing the silverware with mom and had great conversations. And that's what's tying that to that. Yes, right. Yes. So how do you help them have this conversation and, and, and broach this subject? Because that's tough. Well, we do. You know, I actively try to get we try to have family planning meetings, right? So oh, that's awesome. You know, sometimes you, you know the kids have are, are not geographically desirable, but now with Zoom, um, we can do these type of meetings. But you know, if I can get the parents, because you have, you know, you have two types of clients, right? You have those that have a lot of open sea, openness and transparency with their kids, and they mm-hmm. don't they don't mind you know them knowing what they have, and then there are those that really don't want their children to know because they're afraid that um, if they know how much money mom and dad have, maybe they'll treat them differently mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or, or something. And I, and I, and I sympathize with both, but there comes a time when really there has to be a conversation of a family. Cause I consider us kind of a little family office. So we try mm-hmm. to get, we try to take care of everything that might be a financial issue for each client. Yeah. And so if we can encourage and get the kids and the parents kind of talking about these things, we can plan and and, and get these documents filled out. Uh, it just makes the process so much easier because there is no confusion or ambiguity. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for, for entertaining my question on that one, because I, I think that's so important. And obviously you guys handle that with, I mean, just the fact that you bring up that you encourage these family meetings. Yeah. Most families just won't do it on their own because it, it is an emotionally charged area. And so it's great to have that other party help, you know, help convey this message and help to get this across there. So that's fa- fantastic. I think we're but, on number eight before I interrupted. Yeah. And in the previous point to that is that if you can, you know, I've done this long enough so I can tell. So if the parents don't want the children to know how much money they have, that to me raises a red flag. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that means maybe the the planning should be uh, even a little bit. There's a reason why you don't want your kids to know. Um, so there, and, and if you're openly transparent with you, that means you probably are in a good place with your children um, about you're very, very comfortable with what um, their maturity with money mm-hmm, and things of mm-hmm. that nature. So if you don't want your kids to know, maybe there's um, a little bit that you're concerned about that. Maybe we really, really need to address this, these financial planning and estate yeah. planning issues. So yeah, it's yeah, a good point. Absolutely. All right. Number eight. Number eight is the poorly drafted document. And, um, and this is usually, I see this when, you know, they I'll, I'll see, uh, somebody I'll get referred to by somebody and they'll come in and we always ask them, Hey, you know, you got to bring in your financial planning and, and estate planning documents. Cause we'd like to do a review of those, um, with myself and, and perhaps an estate planning attorney that we, that we work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll bring in a document and say, well, listen, we've already done the trust. And, um, and I'll say, well, who did you, who, who, who did the trust? You know, well, our personal injury attorney did it. And I go, okay, well, you know, there's a lot of, um, tax law changes, you know, that, that go on. And, um, and I'm sure that he's good with personal injury, but you really need to deal with a specialist when it comes to estate planning documents. So we'll look at that document. And sometimes that document is not good, poorly written, um, uh, just so, so that is a big issue. And oftentimes they'll go the cheap route. They'll find the cheapest estate planning attorney. And, you know, some of these guys can be expensive and overly so, but sometimes, you know, you, what you, you pay for what you get and you go on the cheap route when it's sometimes can be uh, putting a million dollars at risk. It's not probably a wise decision. All right. Well, I'm going to throw, throw the gauntlet here. Um, 
I know that I'll be asking, I always ask for contact information for the audience, but um, I encourage audience members, if you've got these documents and you want a second opinion, uh, I know that Ken, you're completely open to that. And I'm going to challenge Ken to poke holes, <laughs> poke yep. holes in these documents, find, find some things that maybe need to be short up that, you know, because here's the thing is if, if something were to go to probate or into court, you know, if, if somebody contests it in any way, shape or form, I know that trust is different, but if anybody has any questions and they hire an attorney, attorneys love to poke holes in things. That's their oh, job. They do. They do. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to throw down the gauntlet. Can you ready for that? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get contact information at the end. We are on number nine. Yeah. And that is, um, you know, it kind of flows right into this point, but that's not reviewing your estate plan. So people got, you know, the idea set it and forget it, right? Okay. Yeah. I went through the, the pain and anguish of doing this, you know, thinking about my mortality. Well, you know, I hate to bring it up to them, but you know, we got to review this every five years. You, know, mm-hmm. you change, your beneficiaries change, your your uh, estate, your value changes, um, your complexity changes, the estate planning laws change, everything changes. So we put it on the docket to review every five years, and um, you know it, it, it's that important because you got you the, the, the all these changes that occur not only to you personally but on the federal and state level. They need to be addressed and accounted for. And so, you know, it, it doesn't cost you anything. The review is it's part of part of working with us. Uh, and, and it just it makes it so we feel confident that we don't you can never go back after somebody passes away. That's the biggest thing that um that we want to make sure yeah. that when when somebody is done working with us, and hopefully they're not done until until they pass away, is is that all of their wishes that they have communicated to us are done efficiently, effectively, and, and in a cost-effective manner. And so if we don't review that every five years, there's no assurance that I have that we are going to be able to do that. So that is why we put that in there every five years. You got to review those beneficiaries and the plan itself. All right. Review, review, review. review. Have a second set of eyes on it, which leads me to give me your contact information because you are a second set of eyes that can, can help them. And I know that you don't want to just take over. You're more mm. than happy to do this. And, and if they're going to continue to work with their current advisor or current state planning attorney or whatever, you'll wish them well, but at yeah. least they'll have a second set of eyes on it. So how do they get a hold of you? Well, let me, let me, let me wrap this thing up real quick. Let me just sure. do a few review points before I give that. So I want to just say, you know, use a trust whenever possible. Um, I'm a big, 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 big believer in trust because they avoid probate. They're somewhat creditor-proof. They they help in that regard um, for spouses. Uh, they allow for an efficient uh, distribution, and you can be very, very, very detailed on your distribution needs in a trust. You know, number two, review, 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 and we've talked about that. You should always be part should always be part of your yearly conversation at, at minimum, and then of course we're going to do a full review every five years. And of course, hire a competent state attorney to assist you. And so with that, my contact information is Orca Wealth at um, just orcawealth.com. So O-R-C-A-W-E-A-L-T-H.com is the best place, the most efficient place. We've got a lot of resource information there on estate planning. And I, I think that would be the best place for someone to reach out to us. All right. Ken, thank you so much for not only the valuable information on today's podcast, but um, the value add of, of you assisting whoever, whoever calls you up, whoever goes to the website and says, Hey, I, I could use some help in this. Thank hey, you. For that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And of course our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to a life well lived with Ken Olette, founder of Orca Wealth Management. 
If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Ken comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it and leave a review as this actually helps others find the show. And this is a great one to share. I'm just going to take a second here uh, because you've probably got some friends that maybe you know that they haven't had these conversations, or maybe you've been out to dinner and they've even told you, I don't even know how to have this conversation with my kids. Uh, You know, I I don't know what we're going to do about this. Well, there's a lot they can do. And uh, part of that is going to be to reach out to Ken and his team. So share this podcast with them. Let them make their own decision after that. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Oracle Wealth Management, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to A Life Well Lived. Grow, preserve, and transfer your wealth with Kinolet CPM. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Orca Wealth Management, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Orca Wealth Management, LLC does not provide legal or tax advice. Clients should seek the advice of a qualified attorney or accountant as necessary.